But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. <laughs> you did, you did. A little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the 9 by 9 the 81 square meters of the best volleyball coverage on the internet. Happy New Year. It is Tuesday, January 10th, episode 50. My name's Rob St. Clair, live from Chicago, joined by, as always, Everett DeLorme, live from north of the border in Toronto. Everett, happy New Year, my friend. Absolutely. It's our first show of 2023. That's right. First show of the new year. And uh, I mean, we took last week off kind of because well, you were on the road traveling, but also because you're like, oh, there's not really that much that much volleyball going on uh, at the that turn was of the new year. That was a mistake. So we're, we're, we're going to jump right into it, Everett, with uh, I, I would say our personal favorite news of the, of the two weeks, something we've been asking for for a long time. Good riddance. Lorenzo Bernardi has been fired by Piacenza. Bye-bye, let's visit. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we've been asking for this for a long time. Uh, somewhere uh, in Eastern Asia, in Japan, somewhere, Aaron Russell is celebrating uh, for all the injustices that this man had done to him throughout his career. But Piacenza, after, by the way, after beating Verona in five in the first round of the Italian Cup, after a win, they choose to fire Lorenzo Bernardi. Uh, so no more Lorenzo Bernardi at the helm of Piacenza. They then immediately come back without two of their best players and beat Trentino in Super League regular season play, which we'll certainly talk about. But Everett, I have to assume your feelings are similar to mine. We're thrilled. About time. I mean, for me, I, I messaged you today and I said, I wish we had an intern or someone to go through all of our old episodes and just make a montage of the amount of times we, sh- we said that Piacenza should fire Bernardi. Because I'm pretty said, pretty sure we said it in like episode one. Like this has been something that we've been talking now. We've, the show's been going on for over a year and it's been something we've been talking about now for over a year. Even more so, if you're an OG of the Discord, you know that we've been talking about this way longer than that. Um, yeah, it, it's just... <clears throat> It's just it's it's thank goodness about time bye bye la visite and let's get this team going. Uh, Piacenza has been a struggling mess for how many years? I mean, we saw ever since like, they we, came we, back into existence, really. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we saw him have have some success. He he won some stuff with with um, Sir Safety Perugia years and years ago when they first had Le- Leon, but then. They dropped him for Heinen, and that should all, is, is all that really needs to be said. When you're getting dropped for Heinen, yeah, it's just good riddance. And, I mean, we see the immediate result, immediate result of them beating Trentino without Leal, without Lucarelli. You know, you've got argue, the best player in the, in the league last year in Simone, in, in my view anyways, on that team. You've got the quote-unquote best player from the year before in Antoine Brizal. Like You have so much quality on that on that roster, and yet you can't get it done. Like, having to go to five against Verona, yeah, sure, you won, but you went to five against Verona. Just serve the ball at Namuri Keita. He's a, like a, a living, breathing ping-pong paddle, right? <laughs> so you just serve the ball at him, and you should be able to win easy and 3 nothing. But you know what? It's not that easy with Bernardi at the helm. 
Well, I mean, we, we've we've talked about it before. We, the last show, I think, was was when we we were talking about the Santorelli and Guidetti swap on the women's side. It was either that or the show before. But we've talked a lot about coaching before. I think it's fair to say that relative to a lot of other major sports, coaching is less important than volleyball. But it still does matter, not just for like the X's and O's, but I think the two main jobs of a coach are managing the lineup and managing the kind of team's vibe and feeling day in and day out that goes both for practice game day travel the whole thing your coach is the one that sets the tone for that i now i've i've never met lorenzo bernardi i've never hung out i've never been in the locker room of a team that he coaches but it was pretty clear to me even from both of us just watching it from the other side of the world that there were bad vibes wherever he went it seemed like even despite being a hall of fame player which he was he would always get in his own way and he would make the teams that he had, the rosters that he had worse and find a way to get in the way, sort of the same way that we see Stoichev and Piazza do all the time for their respective teams in the Superliga. And now, I mean, I, I feel like a, a weight has been lifted from this Piacenza team. Then they go out and without their two starting outside hitters, they beat Trentino, one of the best teams in the league. So how much will this really matter? That, that definitely remains to be seen, but it does immediately seem like there's a more positive vibe around the Piacenza program. I think this matters a lot. When you look at this roster and you look at the, the compilation of players that they have, this is a dangerous team. Oh, they're right? amazing. We were talking about it coming into the year. They, they could challenge Perugia even. They, they could they could challenge Perugia. I think that they have a potential of challenging Perugia more so than Lube, right? If, that they, can, if they can get their act together. Right. And maybe even more so than Trentino, like Trentino in my eyes was the clear cut number two team in the, in the league. And they go and lose to Piacenza and in this fashion, like things just got a whole, like this is addition, addition by subtract subtraction here for, for Piacenza. You take out your head coach and you immediately get 25% better. (laughs) 25%. I don't disagree though. I mean, it's the second time already in Italy that we've seen this because uh, earlier in the year, Siena, who's trying hard and so far failing not to get relegated, they fired their coach. They immediately picked up a win, and uh, Perugia does the same thing. I'm trying to uh, find the article of who Perugia's coach is now because it's the guy who coached them. Uh, let's see. It's the guy who coached them once the franchise came back into existence. And, then, a, they, then, they had to, and then they had to start from the bottom. Uh, let's see. Uh, Massimo Botti is the guy's name. Okay. So Massimo Botti was the guy who head coached Piacenza right when they right when the program came back into existence and got them promoted up to the Super League division, where they then hired Bernardi. So it's not like this guy doesn't know uh, the ins and outs of the Piacenza front office and how to run that team. So uh, I wish him the best of luck. I wish P- uh, Piacenza the best of luck because seriously, I agree with you. If they're healthy, if all those pieces are firing, they might be the only team on paper that can compete with Perugia. Not to mention, this is the perfect time for the season for them because their next match is against Siena. After that, they have Monza, which is actually a test, and then they follow it up with Toronto. That's two very, very winnable games and a really, really gritty team, a Monza team to play against. That's a really, really good setup for you to get a new coach in, figure out how the players... And that's that's the thing about this, this Piacenza team. You have so much quality and you have so much knowledge around there. You don't even necessarily... You don't need X's and O's, exactly. right? Exactly. It's not about the offense. It's not about how you execute. It's about nothing about that. It's all about how you manage those personalities. How about how you make them be able to work together. And I think they have... Basically, from now until the end of January, right? That that third match that I meant uh, talked about uh, against Toronto is on the twenty is on the twenty ninth. Then you know what you you get running in against Perugia on the fifth. 
uh, the same day as the, the VLA West Cup in, in San Diego. So um, <laughs> I think this is a perfect time for Piacenza to make this move. You have all of the, the month of January, because if this did happen last week, right? We would have been talking about it at last week's show if it wasn't for uh, me not being there. I remember I woke up with a vile hangover after my wedding on the second and drinking some South Carolina moonshine. Um, that sounds awesome. Oh, it was the, it might've been the, one of the best things I've ever tasted. 120 proof. And I could have drank that thing like water, put it in my Whoa. water bottle. And let's go. We need another, um, need another drunk stream at VNL like last year. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But regardless, I think this is the perfect time for Piacenza to make this move. You have all of January to shake off the all of the, the heebie-jeebies that Bernardi had, you know, run a little Sage or Palo Santo around and get running for the playoffs. <laughs> Love it. So let's jump into uh, some of the things that we need to catch up on in terms of actual volleyball. Speaking of the Italian Cup that we talked about, uh, Bernardi's last win with Piacenza, the five-set win over Verona. So these were the quarterfinals of the Italian Cup. They happened right after our last show that we did two weeks ago. So kind of the last things that happened in volleyball in the calendar year 2022. And we had a couple surprises. Piacenza-Verona was a better game than maybe it should have been, given how bad Verona was statistically, and they were not particularly good. Trentino beating Modena 3-1 to on the road is technically an upset. Perugia beating Cisterna, we're not going to talk about that at all. No surprise there. But, Everett, for the second year in a row, Milano upsets Lube Civitanova in the quarterfinals of the Coppa Italia. Twice in a row in the last two years, Lube loses in the first round to Milano both times. I'm convinced that Piazza has a, a clause, like a bonus clause in his contract for making it to the semifinals uh, <laughs> of the Italian Cup because that is two years in a row where all of a sudden this team decides to play good. Yeah, right? literally all out of, of a sudden. Literally out of nowhere, you've got Ishikawa dropping 21 points. You that was the Nagaeho. best I've ever seen Ishikawa play, by the way. He, he was, was absolutely he was unstoppable. And I mean, him and Nagaeho is, is fantastic. You didn't even need a Vatapur uh, out there. Like They were so good, but on the other side, the struggles continue for Lube. And this is a team that just, they can't seem to get it together. Mattia Botolo, meh. He's like he's puts up decent numbers, but it's just like they they need something more, and everyone's just average right now. Yeah, yeah. There we, we've we've seen the uh, the highs and the lows of Lube Chivitanova in the early part of the season when they had no idea what they were doing on the wings. Then they kind of figured it out. Ivan Zaitsev started to play better, so which allowed them to start him at opposite, and then they could have some freedom with the foreigner limit. And now they're back, kind of handcuffed by that again because one of their three young outside hitters at least one of the three uh, over the course of a match is not playing well. Uh, in this case, Botolo and Nikolov started the whole match. I don't understand why you don't bring Marlon Yant in earlier, especially when he goes three for four, if both of those kids are getting stuff blocked every other swing. I, I don't really understand that. If you're going to start Zaitsev the whole match, the reason why you do that over, Gar over Gabby Garcia, in my opinion, is so that you can play two foreigners at the outside hitter position, or at least one. Uh, and they're not really managing that correctly, but honestly... I give Milano the credit for this game. Uh, I remember watching this, really enjoying it, like thinking about thinking back to the up the same upset that we saw last year. And sure enough, Milano was clearly, clearly the better team. You know, Lube is just like just one of those hot and cold teams. And I agree with you. I think, you know what, you have to pick between one of the youngsters. It either right. has to be Nikolov and it either has to be Botolo. And you know what? With with if you're gonna have Zaitsev on the right, which works out well because Garcia had four swings 
didn't score in, on any of them. And he's been average at best, uh, I, I think, at, at, at times of season. I think Garcia looks fantastic when you've got Tacheco setting him and you've got all these studs around him and he's got one-on-ones for days. But, you know, when he's when he's looking to lead the team so far, it hasn't been great. But to me, I don't see unless Marlon Yant is injured. I don't see why you don't have him in instead of 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 Botolo, Right. Yeah, you get get. It's funny that you called uh, Botolo and Nikolov the youngsters because Yant is 21. I think it's important to remember that. But oh, he, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But he right is the of those three. He is the player that you expect to be the most mature and consistent. And he hasn't been. He hasn't really been able to hold the spot on the court all that much. It. it there could be some nagging, nagging injury concern there, and I would like Ronnie, Ronnie Cubanspike, if you're watching, please let us know the status of Marlon Yant's health. I think there are people talking in the Discord the other day about the, how weird it is that we haven't seen him start consistently. Now, like, he played today for Lube in Champions League in a match that they won easily, but I'm, I'm a little confused by that too. Yeah, I mean, whatever. He played against Benfica. That that doesn't doesn't really mean much to me unless we go to a better Champions League system. It doesn't matter unless they, they play other other big teams. But you know what? I, I think down the stretch, you're really going to see the youth on this Lube team show between the, the, the trio of young outsides who are all under the age of like, what, 23? And then yeah, you've got I think Gabby. Botolo is probably the oldest at like 22 or 21 or something. You know, Gabby Garcia, you know, GGF on, on the right side. Other than Chin and Yezi and and Zaitsev, um, oh, and of course Dacheco, um, this team is is missing a lot. So it just seems like there's a lot of separations, and there's just there's there's just not much going on. We got Blair Lambert in the chat, chat saying that they need to go to Botolo with Botolo and Yant. I agree. I yeah, agree with that. I don't know. I to me, to me, if you want to look at long term, like Nikolov is the guy to go with. Like Botolo to me is is I was super high on him when he was playing at Padova. What was it last year or the year before? The last couple really, years, yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't really seen it from him. You know, with the national team, we haven't really seen it. Like to me, he's he's not beating Micheletto and and Lavia out uh, for a spot uh, no. on the national team anytime soon. If if he has a career with the national team, he's going to be coming off the bench, and I think he's we're kind of seeing kind of seeing what Botolo is. But Nikolov to me is a, is an all star. He's a superstar. Right. This is he is a full on freshman. He was playing in the NCAA last year. Right. And now he's he's putting up these kind of numbers to me. you got to run with Nikolov because you, you're going to make him better. I agree long term as well, but I'm not sure that's what Lube is thinking. I think they now they're not going to beat Perugia, but that's a team that's won what, like four of the last five Scudettos. So their their aspirations are a little bit different. Somebody in the chat says Botolo should go to Modena next season. I actually love that move because uh, he would be a huge and also Italian upgrade over Tommaso Rinaldi. And speaking of which, I mean, we, we got to talk briefly about Trentino going to Modena and beating him in four uh, pretty convincingly to advance in the Italian Cup. I mean, there's not that much to pull out of the numbers. Trentino was clearly better than them. Modena bounced back beating Lube the other day, but uh, that was the other more interesting match to me in the Coppa Italia quarters because the Piacenza Verona five-setter was just kind of sloppy, and then Perugia Cistiano was a beatdown. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Both of those way better than Rinaldi, in, in my opinion. I know Rinaldi had a fantastic game uh, the other day against against Lube, but still, um, the, to me, Botolo is 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 better long longer term. But I don't know if he's the solution here for for Lube. But hey, yeah, fair enough. So uh, the final four, or rather the semifinals, I guess, of the Acopi Italia is set. That'll be all the way on February twenty fifth. So we got a little while to. 
um, forget about that tournament before it comes back. Uh, they'll go to Rome, I believe, and play it on uh, the semis on the 25th and the finals on the 26th of February. So those matches are always good. I always enjoy the Italian Cup. But honestly, uh, though, with this Piacenza team, like that semi, both of these semifinals could be really interesting. I true. Think. Yeah. Perugia and Piacenza will play themselves twice in the month of February, once in the regular season and once here in the quarterfinal. So, uh, I mean, we're probably going to see Perugia versus Trentino again in the final, but uh, it could be a little more interesting than that. Yeah. 100%. All right. Uh, before we get on to some regular season uh, catch up to do, Everett, I think we should talk about the ridiculous. I mean, probably more than I've ever seen the more a more active mid-season transfer market in volleyball that I may have ever seen before. There were so many names and so many players flying around from different clubs. It was the New Year turn. It was hard to keep up with it all. Yeah, it, it was a little nuts. And of course, you had the the typical teams picking up Americans uh, fresh off the NCAA season, or not necessarily just Americans, but those playing in, in the NCAA. But then you had a weird setter swap situation going on uh, oh. in the Superliga as well. That's nuts that, that we have to talk talk about uh, a little bit. Yeah, so let's and, talk about the Lega Volley Femenile, because that's where a lot yes. of the a lot of the transfer movement really was. And then we can talk about what, what those teams did the last week. And so I want to talk about Volifolia. Volifolia has been completely irrelevant this year, to say the least. I mean, I've watched them because I've called a couple of their games and they have Micah Hancock, who I like, but they were extremely unspectacular every time I've watched them. However, they, go, they went out and got Annie Drews, which is huge. And I think we talked about that on the show when it was rumored. But now it's confirmed Annie Drews, the American Olympian, comes in at, at opposite for Volifolia, starts for him immediately, and wins them a match this past weekend. Uh, Volifolia, like you said, also went out and got Raquel Lazaro, who is the setter from the University of Louisville, a Spanish girl. So she's uh, Hancock's backup now. And then they get a middle blocker prospect from Corneliano and Eleonora Furlon, who I guess was just on Corneliano until Sarah Farr got healthy which she did. She played this past weekend. Now Furlon transfers to Volifolia, where I think she could play a little bit. So that's a team that is trying to climb out of irrelevance and maybe even make the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, they're just trying not to get relegated, right? Yeah, they're is, not, is, they're not is, in danger of getting relegated, but they're right now, after the win, I think they beat Cuneo in five over the weekend. They're one spot out of playoff position. I mean, that's... That's awesome. Then I mean, that is interesting. But to me, it's more so what was going down with Scandici uh, yes. and and Firenze. That because talk Scand- us through this. This is nuts. so Scandici lets go of Ophelia Malinov, who was previously their captain. When Tommy and I did the preview of the Italian league, Tommy even said he preferred uh, at times Malinov to Alessia Oro. Tommy, that takes not looking so good right now. <laughs> because I'll have to say that like Scandici is this one team that just has been all right this year. When you look at the rosters that they have with Juting and everything, it's weird. So they let go of Malinov. They pick up the Chinese setter, Di Yao, uh, from, from their national team, who's also rumored to be Zhu Ting's girlfriend. Um, I don't know if that's a rumor that can be said in, inside of China, uh, but that, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the rumors going around. But they, they sign with her. So Malinov is immediately picked up by Firenze, which I think is awesome because they need someone to give Britt Herbots the ball. True. Speaking of other uh, offers, uh, Carlotta Cambi leaves Firenze for Novara. Novara also offered a, a contract to Herbots, who rotted on their bench last year. So she was like, thank you very much. No, I'm not coming to this cesspool where you guys are uh, part of the Church of Karakut. 
not that I don't like Karakuts, but you know, they are quite, quite on her nuts a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's just been a, a weird triangle and circle of everyone playing musical chairs with setters over this, uh, this transfer season in Liga Volley Femininity. Right. And a couple of these moves are good. And a couple of them I don't like, I think Carlota Combi to Novara is a really good move. Uh, Combi is one of the only good players on Firenze other than Herbots the entire year and Novara who lost Jordan Poulter to injury gets uh, up good and also Italian setter to come in so that they can maybe do some, do something else with foreigners on the wing. So that's cool. Uh, I like that move. Malinov just got to find somewhere else, whatever it was with Malinov and Scandici is not, it just wasn't working. And while like, she's definitely been released the, the Firenze pickup is a rumor, but not, totally confirmed although I, I i expect that to be the case i did i did see it on volleybox today okay yeah i ex- i expect that to happen especially with forensic just losing their setter and then uh diao to scandici i could see that too but they're going to have big foreigner problems if they don't have a foreign if they don't have an italian setter so i'm curious to see how that goes speaking of setters in the league of all family by the way uh american tori dilfer uh former louisville setter was playing for perugia her season is over uh, she had a, an injury. I think it was a shoulder, something, whatever it was. It was mutually agreed that she and Perugia were going to terminate her contract. So she's back in the States rehabbing, and Perugia went out and got the starting Puerto Rican setter to come in and hopefully save them from relegation. Yeah, we'll have to see. That's a that's a tough go for for Tori Dilfer, though. I was a, I you know I thought she was having a decent season up to that point. It's not easy playing for a Perugia team. It's interesting how you know the teams. It's only like Malonza that does well with both the men's, men's and the women's. Everyone else is, is kind of scattered all over the place. But right. tough go for Tori Dilfer in this one. Yeah, I mean, and Stephanie Samity, another American who's there, hasn't had a very good year. Their offense just isn't good, and she got banged up. And I don't blame her for just kind of cutting her losses and heading home for the second half of the year. So uh, we'll look at the standings in a minute. But relegation, very much a two, two of three likely candidates going to get relegated in, in the women's league. Uh, let's see. Anything else? I think that's it for Lega Volley Feminile transfers, but there's a bunch more. Let's talk about a couple more NCAA girls. One is Brooke Nunaviller, uh, the outside hitter from Oregon. She's headed to the Turkish League, uh, mm-hmm. playing for none other than Vital Heinen at Nilefer. I'm actually kind of, I kind of like that move. I'm curious to see that. Yeah, that, that should be interesting. And once again, that Nulifer team is is always one of the teams that kind of competes at the higher levels. They don't have the same budget as the as the top five, but they compete really well. And that's why I think Heinen kind of excels. I think he does really, really well with a with a team that's maybe lesser and, and helps them overachieve a little bit. I can't remember if we talked about it last time, but there was also a Claire Chausset um, from Louisville head into Maserata, who which we may have mentioned in the last episode, I think but I we just, did. just yes. figured we might as well get get in there uh, mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, so she's there officially trying to help them not get relegated. Um, speaking of NCAA prospects, probably the most highly sought-after NCAA player of them all, even maybe more so than Logan, than Logan Eggleston, was probably Julia Bergman, uh, the Brazilian from, from Georgia Tech. Everybody was trying to get her to come to go somewhere midway through the club season after she was done playing at, at Tech, and she actually said no to all those offers. She's choosing to stay at Georgia Tech for the spring semester, get her degree in April or May or whatever, then play national team for Brazil, then start her club career. So uh, honestly, credit to her. That's a huge investment in yourself to say no to to an immediate contract so that you can guarantee yourself a, a college degree. That was an interesting one. 
I also kind of agree with that, though, from Bergen, Bergman's perspective, because everyone wants her because she already has that national team experience. Exactly. Right? There's there's no question in, in anyone's mind if she can go play na- like f- at the professional level. Because she already had a fantastic VNL season, and she just wasn't available for the World Championships. And if she was, things might have even looked for a little different for, for, for Brazil at the World Championships, right? So everyone knows she's at that level. So why not take that time? finish your degree, take some time off for volleyball because you know that once everything gets to going, like once she, once she finishes up at Georgia tech and she goes to join the Brazilian national team, she's running from there, right? Like oh, she's, sure. she's just playing volleyball for, for the, the foreseeable, foreseeable future, but she doesn't have to prove herself like any of these other NCAA athletes have has to, she's already done that at the international level with one of the best teams on one of the biggest stages. So absolutely. I actually like that decision by Julia Bergman. I think that's a very good take. Uh, so let's talk about the men's side a little bit. Transfers, uh, only a couple here because we didn't have the NCAA to pull from. But uh, the one thing that we do have to pull from is the Chinese League. The Chinese League just ended, I think, last week on the men's side. And it'll be ending on the women's side here pretty shortly. Uh, nice situation for those foreigners that get to go over there because you make a huge amount of money for like a two-month season. And then if you want to, you can just jump on a good team in Europe in the middle of the year and see what you can do. So we've heard three main rumors for men's players that were playing in China. And all these, none of the clubs have announced any of these, but I can confirm with certainty the following three moves. One is Bartosz Bednor's to Zaksa Kendrzyn Kozle. That is 100% confirmed, uh, which is a big deal. And he'll, so he can suit up for Zaksa, I expect this month. I think even by the time they play Trentino in like two weeks, in Champions League, I expect Bednorris to be in the starting lineup for that match. So that to, that to me is the most seamless of transitions, right? You're, totally. you're going back to your own country. You're playing amongst your compatriots. I bet you he has friends on that team. You know, there's 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 a, compared to other guys where you know a, a Jayski or Wantarena, where you're in China and now you're going to Turkey. You know, there's just those language barriers. Bednorris is just at home. He's ready to go. One hundred percent. And so th- those those other two guys are the ones that are absolutely confirmed. Both Thomas Jeski and Osmani Wantarena confirmed going to play in the Turkish league for the rest of the year. Speaking of Champions League contenders, how about the move Thomas Jeski to Hulkbank Ankara, joining up with Micah Maa and Namir Abdelaziz? If that happens soon enough, that Hulkbank can guarantee themselves to get a good seed in the bracket, which they're playing uh, at Xavierche tomorrow. That team is. I, I, they might even be a Champions League contender. Not, not to beat Perugia, but they can beat anyone else in Europe with those three guys. Yeah, I think so too. Bruno is super underrated. He's super gritty. And I say, think the same thing for Thomas Jaschke. And I think he has that opportunity to come kind of pr- prove himself. I was frustrated that he wasn't given a, a good contract last year after the year that he had at Milano. I thought he deserved it. But you know what? Injuries and, and stuff have, have riddled him. So he went and got his bag in China. And now to go get some Champions League wins. Uh, uh, in, in, I think that there's no more fun team to play on right now than Hulkbeck Ankara with Ma'a and Namir. Plus you have Bruno, the Argentinian left side, who is just a fun guy to be around and just a bit of a like a bulldog in a China shop. Like That's going to be a fun team to watch. And I think even Perugia is going to take note of, of that roster. As they should. Yeah, Hawkbank is already a fun team to watch, and they're about to get even better. I'm a huge Thomas Jeski fan. I've been playing against him since we were in high school, so I've always liked his career. I'm excited to see him uh, play, play a little bit Champions League. And then we brought this rumor up on the show when it surfaced a couple months ago, but Osmani Wantarena to Turkey is confirmed to Zirat Bank Ankara in particular. 
and they have not had the season that they've wanted to have. Uh, I thought that they were going to be much better in Champions League. I'm not sure if they're still mathematically alive to make it out. They've definitely got to go 2-0 and the last two weeks, uh, but maybe Juan Terena can get there in time to at least get them to the bracket, or if not, uh, they'll be better in the Turkish League with him around at the very least. To me, this move is less about a Champions League and more about the Turkish League. I agree. Right? It, it's more about rounding out your roster so that you know you have that that quality moving forward. Because when you look at the, this roster on the outside, you've got Martin Atanasov, Atanasov, and Benny Twinstra on, on the outside. Both of those guys are just all right to me. You know, Benny Twinstra, I think he's going to be really good, but he's still a little young and he's he's coming up. Antanasov, he's like a 96. He's kind of getting to that point now where he's probably, this is probably going to be this, as good as he's going to get, right? And so you bring in that third option. Oh, and Osmani doesn't even need to play a lot of a lot of minutes, and you, he True. probably won't, I agree. Give, given given his age and, and how much ball he's played. But he just brings in a little bit, a little bit of stability. When your first option off the bench is Osmani Wantarena or Martin Antanasov or something for the Turkish League, I think that's fantastic. It's just going to open things up for Exe to dish that ball a little bit more. You've got Wood to turn Matt, who is fantastic when he's not wearing the Dutch jersey. And uh, yeah, I, I think True. this is a pretty solid move, and I think this is a long-term move for Zirat Bankazi. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we saw Juan Torreira hardly saw the court at all for Lube last year, but was valuable to them winning a Scudetto. Uh, another weird weird transfer move that I was not expecting. Um, out of the clouds and out of retirement comes Brendan Sander. Uh, Brendan Sander's been just chilling in California uh, doing not really anything related to volleyball, but Panathinaikos of Greece comes out of nowhere and picks him up midway through the year. Uh, I mean, Everett, I think we could have told them that relying on Jiri Kovar to be one of your primary scorers is probably not going to go very well for you. Uh, but they do bring in Brendan Sander, who hasn't played volleyball in a minute. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, what, what I comes don't necessarily to mind? Think that that relying on Brendan Sander to be one of your primary scorers is the thing to do no, either. But it, you know, what, and, and what makes me think of is Riley Barnes, who is out of volleyball, came came out of kind of retirement midway through last year, and look where he is now. So maybe this is what Sander needed to kickstart his career again. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know if Sander has the attitude that the barn cat has. Okay, you've met the barn cat. You know yeah, how he, how his flag flies, um, and it's and it's it's pretty rowdy. Um, but <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I've like to me, Brendan Sander has always just come across as that dude who's just too talented, right? He looks effortless in everything he does, but he just doesn't look like there's that much effort in in, in the way he puts in. Um, so I'm not entirely sure. Do I think he's going to be good for the Greek League? Yeah, I, th- I think he's going to be pretty good for the Greek League. Is he going to have much of a of a impact past that? I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I don't think it's going to get him back into the USA national team, Jim. But uh, it is just notable to see him back playing volleyball. Uh, I, think I don't. I, I don't think. Yeah, no, I don't think he's like. Let's go with with Garrett Magutatia playing in Indonesia before we go with Brandon Sander. <laughs> uh, how embarrassing was that volleyball world post today? Let's spotlight oh. a bench warmer playing in the indonesian league unbelievable <laughs> it's literally like it's honestly i honestly think it's it's the volleyball world just kind of like goes down the roster yeah you know it's the third i think they, guy. I think they watch the this show league. i think they actually watch this show and intentionally do the things that we make fun of them for all the time 
absolutely just... they, there's no way the boomers know how to use youtube <laughs> right? they just get power volleyball and titans volleyball to do to do everything for them yeah great point all right uh, let's that, that's enough for transfers uh, there's a lot going on we'll touch on a couple more of them as we talk about their teams but uh let's jump back in uh you want to go men's or women's league in italy next uh let's go to the women because yeah let's yeah let's go to the women and then we'll we'll, we'll jump back to to the men before we do that Let's do it. So uh, the women are now officially halfway through the season. Uh, match day 14 was this past weekend. couple good ones. Um, Kieri and, and Casal Maggiore was a pretty weird five-set barn burner. Uh, just kind of a lot of weird stuff going on. Uh, Kaya Grabelna for Kieri played great. Uh, Casal Maggiore without their normal opposite did not play so great. But uh, five-setter, both those teams are good. They're both in the playoffs. And then the other one, we talked about it earlier, Avalafolia picking up Annie Drews and a couple others and then beating Cuneo in five. This is one of the weirdest matches of the year. There are like coaches trying to fight the down ref, players trying to fight the up ref, all sorts of cards and challenges every other play. And it was just very very chaotic even like micah hancock of volifolia posted on instagram afterwards how bad the referees were so uh, it must have been pretty weird yeah you know i think that's just one of those games where the matches got out of hand with the referees and the referees just start cowering i mean we've all seen uh you know a two jacks on the stand if you will who just can't <laughs> handle it um and uh that's fine yeah. <laughs> Shots, shots hey you know what if you're going to be the biggest troll in and more, more than welcome being a troll in the discord you gotta you gotta take your lumps uh on that back but for me the big one here uh, has to be busto arcesio getting that win over florence they are now in that eighth spot they're now in that eighth spot for the playoffs and that's a team that's kind of picking up some some momentum is going is as I've been saying it for a while. I think they started really slowly, and now they're starting to pick up that momentum and figure some things out because Busto is usually a top four or five team, right? And they are starting to figure it out. And I kind of like their roster complexion. It was only a matter of time until they put it all together. And right now, hanging on to a playoff spot by one. Let's look at the standings. Um, another good one from the weekend. Uh, I, I called Corneliano versus Bergamo. It was the first time I've ever called an Isabel Hawk game, which was a treat because she's a monster. Uh, that game was really good. I actually thought Bergamo played super well. They went on like a 6-1 to one run late in the third to even get a set point, but uh, couldn't quite figure it out. So it was a sweep, but a good match. I, I thought that one was fun. Uh, here's the standings 14 games in. Uh, again, they played 26 games in the League of Volley Femmini, so they just passed halfway. Uh, Corneliano looks amazing. Scandici, Malonza, Novara right up there. Chieri, Maggiore, Bergamo right behind them, and then a pretty tight battle for that last spot in the playoffs. Dude, Firenze, I mean, you talked about that Booster CTO win. Firenze looked bad. They were just bad. Even even Britt Herbots didn't play well. No, and I, you know what? I think part partly is that like she had a mega summer. Oh yeah, right. She had so much volume, and she, you remember that she had to play an added tournament with the Challenger Cup matches because they had to play VNL, then the Challenger Cup, and then um, and then the World Championships. So to me, she just seems gassed. Uh, this year and there's really not much around her especially that you take away uh cambia now you're you're sorry Cambia, and now you're going to be bringing in um malinov there's just way too much going on for uh for for firenze this year yeah they're not looking good four and ten 14 points is not great uh let's see what's coming up this weekend that's any good in the italian women's league uh kiri versus cuneo okay maybe uh Corneliano versus busto maybe 
uh, Malonza versus Casa Maggiore, maybe. Uh, Scandici versus uh, like reinforced Valafolia, maybe. These are all playoff matchups, and that yeah. I, I I really like that. Even Firenze I, I, versus I really... Bergamo like could be good because I think Bergamo is kind of good, and Firenze has one great player, so you never know. Yeah, 100%. Well, we'll, we'll have to see. Which which one are you on the call this week? Uh, I've, I've got nothing this weekend because VLA starts, so I'll be on the call for oh. a bunch of those games instead of some Italy True. games, and we'll talk about True. that later in the show. Uh, okay, you want to do Italy men's next? Yeah, let's let's jump over to the Italian men real quick here. Um, honestly, I mean, let, let's first, I think we need to start with Modena versus Lube. Agreed. First and foremost, that 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 has to be the biggest one that we're we're, we're talking about right yeah. right off the bat because this Modena team, I just don't like. I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. Sometimes you're bad. Sometimes sometimes they good. Sometimes they shit. <laughs> I love that clip. I mean, what what are we doing, Lube? Allowing Tommaso Rinaldi to hit like fifty three percent efficiency with no errors. Come on. That to that to me is is the biggest is the biggest thing going down, and that should be the player that you're going after, right? If you've got like b- between Engapeth and Rinaldi, like who are you serving? Serve Rinaldi, like go go after him. Engapeth only only got served. I mean, actually, they did no. They they went after Rossini. Why? Yeah. That, Why that's... are you going after the libero? I mean, he's not good, but he's better than, at reception than Tommaso Rinaldi. That's yeah. very strange. 100%. So you're just letting them tee off on you. And I mean, yeah, like Bruno is old, but if you're going to be passing them dimes all game, like they pass 60% positive, 33% perfect. That's like, that's well over a two, a two pass, yeah. uh, like averaging a pass. Like, well, that's probably like a, like a, 2.5 yeah it's, pr- like, it's probably like pretty 2.3. darn good i mean they only got ace twice i mean somebody brings up in the chat a great point you might have saw the viral clip of irvin passing a short ball and then getting up and hitting a quick one ball in the middle bro awesome just, i love irvin engapeth is the most skilled player in the world you might like, be. i don't i'm not saying he's the best player in the world but he has the most skill I think, and then the, just the pure creativity to even do something like that. I mean, there was a play he did with Tony Uti in VNL this year that was similarly ridiculous. I mean, it's weird. They're, these two teams, Modena and Lube, are very, very weird. They're both, um, like, you know, those those big four Italian teams that are supposed to be really good every year. This is the streakiest we've ever seen that group of teams other than Perugia uh, because it's just a total roller coaster with both these teams. I mean, 25-16, 21-19. That's not even close. No. That's like almost hour in a shower territory. Yeah, hundred percent. And like the fact that Modena now pulls into second place ahead of Lube with that with that win, they're three points clear. They've got the same amount of wins and losses, both at nine and five. But man, if you look at that that next four teams between Modena, Lube, Trentino, and now Piacenza, and Piacenza makes themselves immediately relevant with that win over Trentino as well. Like. That's going to get spicy. That's you do not, you do not want to have the fourth place or the fifth. Like, no. you do not want to be in that four or five matchup. No, because that is going to be a slaughterhouse. Right. You, this, and we're, we'll talk about that as the playoffs get closer in Italy and definitely in Champions League. You want to do whatever you can to stay on the other side of the bracket from Perugia. I think that's pretty fair to say for everybody. So as the seeds go, the, the one seed, assuming they beat the eight, which Perugia will, will play the winner of the 4-5 matchup in the second round. So you do not want to be in that spot. It is better to be six or seven than it is to be four and five because any of those teams can beat each other. We see it all the time. 
Yeah, 100%. And once again, you're just seeing Lube struggle offensively. Yeah. Like, who are you giving the ball to? Who Who's your main guy? This one, this one they went after Mar- Marlon Yant. He was okay. He went nine for 19 uh, with only one error. But Zaitsev's getting blocked three times. Nikolov's getting blocked twice. Um, but at the end of the day, it just comes down to serve receive, right? 40% is positive is all right. 19% perfect. You're only in you know, only in system off serve receive 19% of the time. Like Decheco is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. He's absolutely unreal, but he doesn't have Simone over there who's just going right. to fire balls into, right? And that's the big thing. Cheninese is fantastic when he's in system. Simone opens things up. If it's not a perfect pass and you're pulled off the net, he's going to run that slide and you can still get it to him. You can't do the same thing with Cheninese uh, at, at all. So, Lubez needs to figure out their serve receive. That's going to be the first and foremost thing they needed to do. Right. Got to give uh, Giovanni Sanguinetti a bunch of credit to this Modena young Italian middle who's been starting over Tobias Crick and has been playing great. I actually really like this kid. So uh, funny to, to start over Crick talk while he still makes uh, TikToks and reels over how tall he is and how good looking he thinks he is while riding the bench. You know what? He reminds me, Crick reminds me of a certain um canadian beach volleyball player who used to talk a lot about how confident he was uh and yet could never make it past the quarterfinals um (laughs) so yeah like it's when you're out there and your image is bigger than you are in terms of as being a player that's an issue i having uh, with the first year we got to see crick at the vnl i was pretty impressed look at this big player but everything i've seen and heard from our wonderful germans in in the um in the uh, the discord is that there's a little bit of nepotism baby there you know and that there may have been clubs basically created so that he could play uh in the bundesliga and now it's really not working out because he's really not all that good nope it was uh, a weird move for modena to go get him definitely a waste of a foreigner spot now they found an italian kid that can outplay him so good for them uh the other match that we really got to spend some time on from this past weekend like we said, you fire your coach, you immediately get a win. Piacenza with no Lucarelli or Leal even on the roster. So starting Francesca Recine and Luca Basic, for God's sakes, beats Trentino 3-1. to one. This really came out of nowhere. Yeah, and this is honestly one that I have to go back and watch. It was like the yeah. early morning. It was an early morning game. Um, this was my birthday weekend, past weekend. So early yeah, morning. Happy birthday, buddy. Thank you very much. Um, I'm still 20, I promise. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I but, specifically remember doing your 30th birthday on the show last year. So <laughs> Yeah, so if you do the math, I'm one year older than that. Um, <laughs> you know what? Man, this Trentino team, I think, is is very, very good. But I think we've seen in the past that when things are going good, well, they're going well. Yeah. But I don't know if they can handle that pressure anymore uh, that well. And this Piacenza team is a team that if they get rolling, they can be really, really good. Romano is a guy that if he's on, he can carry a team. Oh, right? for sure. Especially and in the it, service line. They th- That was the real difference in this match for me. 10 aces, 16 errors for Piacenza is a phenomenally good ratio. And they absolutely serve Trentino off the court. Trentino passed 8% perfect as a team. Gabriele Lorenzano, who's a libero that I really like, passed 20% positive, 0% perfect on 25 attempts. Did not pass a perfect ball in 25 attempts. Piacenza was just ripping the cover off the ball from the service line and forcing Trentino to hit exclusively high balls. You can see that from the attacking distribution and the percentages were just not that good. 
You know what's even more impressive is that they did it with Luka Basic out there, um, which which is, is impressive <laughs> who in itself. equally like trash, but uh, the rest who of passed them... equally like trash. Hit the ball well, positive 15. Yeah, but to me, Ro- Romy Alonso, the yes. Cuban middle, is I'm not going to say he's like Simone's protege because he's such a different type of middle than him, but this dude is fiery, and I think he just brings an extra level of grit and attitude that this Piacenza team is is missing right now. A little bit of leadership without needing to be the leader. Like he's 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 boisterous, he's he's talkative and I think he gets Simone going, right? I've seen them interact in Spanish I'll bit. I don't know what they're saying, right? I need to do some more Duolingo. Um <laughs> but it seems to me like if there's one player who cannot not get under under Simone's skin in a bad way, but almost kind of in a good way, you know, I could almost see him just being like, "Come on, old man, figure it out," you know, and like <laughs> and, and get him going. So once again, this Piacenza team is one to watch. Simone with like you've got Simone coming up with with 13 points, Francesco Riccini with 14, which is. Where, where does that come from? That, that's know? a huge luxury if you're Piacenza and can get that Italian outside hitter playing well. That and and they they need they need that right right they absolutely they absolutely need that because even once Lucarelli and Leal come back, what do you do with this roster with the foreigner limit? That's still going to be one of the biggest things because one of those guys still can't play right. Right? right, because you you're going to need an Italian out there, so you need Riccine. So either Luke, Lucarelli or Leal is go, is going to be sitting on the bench. Correct. I, I think it'll be a while before Lucarelli's back. Uh, with his, I think he hurt his hand at surgery, but Leal should be back any day now. I'm actually surprised he's been sitting out as long as he has. So I, I do think that Piacenza is significantly better when they play both the Cubans in the middle. So their foreigners are or their Italians are Romano on the right, Scanferla at that bro, and then they probably need Riccine to start a lot of the time. So. Uh, and, and, and the fact that you just have self Chester there to to throw in the middle as well to to play around with some of that like this Piacenza team and this roster, I don't know. We'll see. Good. Definitely a good. management question for this this uh, Bosi character or Boti character who took over him. Uh, so yeah, kind of weird one there out of nowhere with uh, undermanned Piacenza with a brand new coach beats Trentino. Other one I, th- I really want to talk about is Padova reverse sweeping Chisterna. Uh, this kind of came out of nowhere, too. It was by far, by far, the best I have ever seen Osparu Osparuhov play. <laughs> he came off the bench to, uh, a little bit, first two sets, started the third, rest of the match went 16 for 23. With one error, never blocked. Absolutely, and two aces, absolutely lit the match on fire and pushed Padova at home to a reverse sweep. It was actually pretty cool. Yeah, you know what? He just came in and you're right, caught on fire. Yeah. And I tuned into this one. Um, I mean, I couldn't, I had an issue listening to this one just because of the commentator. Um, you know what? And he was unbelievable. You got a classic Dusan Pekovic game out of this one, too. He was 13 for 35. Blocked 35. seven times. That blocked is a classic. Seven, yeah, the classic blocked seven times. Pekovic game. Absolutely, but you know what? He had two two aces for for four errors from the baseline, right? And twenty one <laughs> attempts, which leads his team from the baseline. So what you're gonna get? You know, a little sometimes good, sometimes shit uh, from Dusan <laughs> Dusan Petkovic. But the thing is, is that this this performance from Asparu Asparuhov 
isn't something that you can like this is a guy that we've seen play for Bulgaria. Right. Not sustainable, moral. It's not story. it's not, not at all sustainable. sustainable. But I do think that this spells like like I would not be surprised. Chesterna right now is sitting in a playoff position. I would not be surprised if they fall. I would not be surprised if by the end of the season they fall outside of the top eight. I could see Monza uh getting getting in there as well. Um above Cisterna and maybe above Verona as well. Yeah, I could see it. Monza, by the way, beat Taranto in four. Uh, MVP performance from your boy Arthur Schwartz, which was awesome to see. So yeah, that last playoff spot, or, or aka the honor of getting smacked by Perugia in the first round is, I mean, you obviously want to make the playoffs, but uh, you really want to be the seventh seed. That's going to give you a much more ch- a chance to actually survive. Uh, by the way, Perugia beat Verona in the quickest hour and shower maybe of the entire year, 17-17-16. Ouch. I mean, I just, I'm just going to sound like Ouch. a broken record now. Like, at what point do the Verona owners go in like, Ouch. hey, Stoichev, you are run out of town in Modena, and we need to do, like, remember when his big play was to bring in Jansen uh, from UCLA and be like, yeah, you know, look, we're so smart. That lasted, like, not even half a season. Dude's still around. They're still paying him a contract to be a practice player. He hasn't seen the court in, in how long. You have Namuri Keita, who, like, Bro was playing right side in Korea last year. He wasn't taking passing reps. And you want him to go to the best league in the world and take passing reps? No. It doesn't make sense. You have two of possibly the best. You have arguably the best volume hitter in Rok Mozic on the left side. You have another guy that can take up a fantastic amount of, of, uh, of volume with a seven-footer on the right side. And you have a grizzled veteran who's known to be one of the most solid passers in the world, in Gord Perrin, why? Figure why not out. just run with that? Figure it out, Stoichev. It out. Like, the next one that has to go after Bernardi is Stoichev. And I really, really hope, like, the same with Bernardi, is that we're not just getting into this, like, old rehashing of, of the, the same old coaches, right? It's the same, you know, the, the same deal with who picked up Anastasi this year. Was that uh, Perugia? Perugia, Perugia like, did, and it's actually why? working out for him because he's staying for out of his own long? way. Yeah, he's okay, staying out of exactly. his own way. That is the key for coaches like this. Uh, Stoichev is literally incapable of staying out of his own way, especially when he has so many choices that he has to make. Same with Piazza. Like, it, you it's, know, it's like that cannot stay out of their own way. You absolutely know, and I've coached with coaches like this before, where Kay does in practice, he passes a one ball, and then, you know, they jack him up of a ball out of system, and he crushes a ball against no block. And Stoichev's like, yeah, yeah. he hit ball good. Yeah. He hit ball good. And that's that's all he can think about. Doesn't matter that he's passing 14 percent positive and 14 percent uh perfect with four he's getting aced four times no yeah that that doesn't yeah. matter at all right i mean shout out to thomas jeske again for the second time in the show because he was on taylor averill's podcast and was talking about coaches that he had called stoichev the worst coach he's ever had so enough said uh before we talk before we move on um check out this wilfredo leon stat line <laughs> oh man 11 for 15 attacking no errors and six aces <laughs> six aces and three okay. sets. i don't even Get need out of to here. see the video and i already know who he's acing yeah, yeah right yeah, because yeah. like although when... the, the rock uh rock mozich and kata both got aced four times each okay 
there's levels there's levels to this thing yeah man. but and the there's, rock there's is one also, level at the top is, is also one passing 38 percent positive yeah, he's fighting it off but he's, he's getting lit up by leon not not there's anything to be ashamed of there everybody gets lit, lit up by wilfredo leon he's the best player on earth I mean, the best he, team who cares we, we don't need to talk about it anymore literally uh, rich Licky was the only guy not to get an, an ace on the perugia roster for this match ridiculous oh and Soleil. sorry ridiculous all right so uh here's the standings perugia's the best team in the league Duh. Let's see what's going on this weekend. Modena, though, undefeated in their past five. True. Uh, they're That's... they're very hot in Italian league play. They take on Milano this weekend. That should be a good one with how Milano just won. Uh, man, man, not very many of these games are good. Uh, Cisterna versus Trentino. Trentino should win that. Piacenza versus Siena. Easy win for Piacenza. Verona versus Taranto. I mean, you've got to win that if you're Verona. Lube versus Monza. Got to win that if you're Lube. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, up to my ears in volleyball this weekend anyway, so I'm not gonna be watching any of these. But I guess we'll see on next week's show if any of them turn out to be good. Yeah, I mean, I okay here. If I, if I look at this, I think Modena versus Milano could be really really good. I think Monza versus Lube is also gonna be really good. Monza beat Lube uh, in the first round. Also shared a clip of Kachopa. He's back in the gym. True, He's on his feet. Point. He's getting some setting reps. Ooh. Could be good. Uh, clearly, he's not ready to go, but yeah, still. That was, Honestly, that was great to see. As much as this is a big one for Verona, but I think it could also easy, evenly be a big one for Toronto. I think that Toronto and Eric Lepke can have a big match against Verona, serve Namuri Keita off the court, uh, because that that's inevitable. Like, Stefani hits, hits bombs, right, from the baseline. Lepke's pretty good from the baseline. Like that's a pretty decent serving team there. They have at Toronto. I think this is an opportunity for them to maybe get, get like get themselves even more out of the um, out of the uh, relegation race and uh, put some pressure on Verona. Yeah, I like that. So uh, obviously on next week's show we'll catch up on all the Italian leagues and everything else going on around Europe, which we will continue to do right here after Everett tells us about that sweatshirt that he's wearing right now. Absolutely, honestly. I've been wearing it nonstop throughout the holidays. Um, I also got some compliments. Actually, someone complimented me about it uh, in the uh, in the chat. So I thank you very much. I got some compliments the other day when I was at McMaster versus uh, Long Beach State. But if you want your own 9x9 squared sweater, you're going to have to head over to that volleyball.store where you can pick up all of your 9x9 and volleyball source and spicy volleyball gear. Um, and it's a way to support us a little bit. It's a way to look good and and to support us a little bit. I am still dreaming of the day where we can go to an event and see someone wearing some of our merch. Well, we uh, hopefully we're we're trying to get ourselves to a lot of events this year. Uh, one of the ways you can help us do that is by buying some merch, but also wearing it to the events that we end up going to. It, it would be very cool to see some spicy volleyballs in yeah. the crowd at some of these tournaments. Hundred percent. I mean, I do want to give a shout out to Dan, who came over and and introduced himself when I was at the Mac LBSU game uh, the other day. He said he loves the show. So Dan, shout out to you. Um, I know there's other people in the Discord who are there, and they just never came to say hi. So yeah. you just come come say hi. Yeah, when when you see us at stuff, because we're we're at stuff. Uh, when you see us at yeah. stuff, if you see me at Wapaka, if you see Everett at at U Sports Games, come say what's up. All if right. you see us together at a certain NCAA event in like ten Ooh. days time. Spoiler alert. We'll talk about that on next week's show for sure. Uh, yeah, come come say what's up. And by the way, join the Volleyball Source Discord. Uh, the link is in the description. Uh, it's the best online volleyball chat community in the world, and you should join it and help us get to a 1,000 members because we're very close. 
Yep, absolutely. All right. What let's I don't even need to ask what's next because with the start of the new year, it's also the start of the Champions League, the second half of the Champions League season. And it's been absolutely bonkers. You want to start with men or women over there? Uh, let's do men. So they both so both men's and women's Champions League are back. Both of them are playing this week. I think that's the first time so far that we've had both of them going on in the same week. Uh, so as usual, the matches are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Talk about the men's first. Uh, today, Friedrichshafen beat Montpellier in five. Um, and I, it wasn't super pretty. I watched the back half of this game, but by doing so, Friedrichshafen clinches a spot in the playoffs. I think they're the first. Uh, oh, Lube, I'm sure they, they did as well, beating Benfica 3-0. to zero. So both of those teams have clinched at least top two in their respective pools. I think Lube is probably guaranteed to win their pool. So uh, both of those teams will be moving on to the playoff bracket in Champions League, which, again, this year is 11 teams. So Friedrichshafen grabs a spot, Lube grabs a spot. Then coming up the rest of this week, we've got a couple. One huge one tomorrow, Everett. Hulkbank versus Xavierche. 12.30 Eastern. Do not miss this game. It might be the match of the year in the Champions League. 100%. I, I think so, too. Uh, Xavierche won the first round of between them? They did, but then Xavierche lost to lost Berlin to Ver- to at to home. Berlin, so, so I... I think this game is in Turkey tomorrow. Xavier uh, traveling to Turkey, if I'm not mistaken. I'll double check that uh, because I'm pretty sure Hawkbank lost on the road la- last time. But that's that that really competitive pool with Xavier Hawkbank Hawkbank in Berlin that we've talked about a bunch. You must watch this game. Ab- absolute yeah. must watch. There's not many pool play games in the in the Champions League that you need to watch because even the best games don't really have like when when Lube and Zaxa play they it doesn't really mean mean much because you know that most both of them are going to move on, um, but this is the one that for me it, it really matters because of uh, everything else going on in this right. pool. It's uh, you're right. It is an absolute must win. Um, Zavice is ahead by one point. They have nine points as opposed to Ankara's eight. Um, a win here for Zivierce, I think, would really solidify solidify their, you know, their their moving on, I would say. Yeah, I wonder what the clinching scenarios actually are. And I mean, by by the end of this week in Champions League, this is week five of six in the men's fourth round. And so going into the last week, which is like the week of the 25th, I think like two weeks from now, we're going to know a lot. And actually, we're... Uh, uh, we might have to reprise a sh- our preview show that we did before Champions League where we brought on literally Eric Shoji to help us preview. Uh, he texted me about wanting to do a show next week uh, to run through all the scenarios and preview it going into week six. So we'll do that to talk about that in more detail after this week. But you got you got to watch Xavier Che versus Hawkbank, and then you got to just kind of follow along with everything else in case upsets happen. Because although I don't really see any on paper, I mean – Zirat Bank versus Duran, that could go either way. But Zox is going to beat Karlovarska tomorrow. Perugia is going to beat Ljubljana tomorrow. JW is going to beat Novi Sad tomorrow. Uh, Trentino is going to beat Menen tomorrow. Uh, Tour versus Rosolare could go either way. And then Berlin, I mean, Everett actually called that uh, Hebar Pizardzik is going to win a game. Maybe it could be against Berlin on Thursday. But not a lot of those have very much interest to me. They will determine a lot in seeding, and we'll talk about that after this week, but uh, Hawkbank Xavier Che, match of the year so far, must watch. 12.30 Eastern tomorrow. Uh, get in the Discord. We'll help you figure out ways to watch it. Yeah, I mean, Berlin did suffer a loss recently to Friedrichshafen uh, right before right before the break. They lost a, a set to, to Lundberg as well, so 
I just don't think this Berlin team is is that good. You know, my confidence in Marek Sotola to be the guy at that level for a team of Berlin's level isn't really that high. I think he can do it. Time he hasn't he hasn't proven it to me enough yet. Right. Um, and you know, Pizarczyk, there's something about those fiery Bulgarians. You know what? You just can't you just can't give it to them sometimes. You you got it. You got to show up. So uh, yeah, Haybar Haybar versus Berlin maybe something interesting there. That could that could knock Berlin out of the playoffs if if Berlin uh, falters there. But Hawkbank versus Xavier Chia is a must watch. Uh, let's talk about the women's side. Uh, women's week three. So this is the, the time finally where we're starting to see some actually good games. Uh, so a, a couple today actually. I mean, Alba yeah. Blaj beating Promete three zero, whatever. But Cornelianno and Reg and Zhezhov was a good game. Uh, Zhezhov stormed out of the gate and took the first twenty five sixteen. But your girl Everett Alexa Gray, her and uh, Isabel Hawk combined scored. I think like almost fifty between the two of them in the rest Ale- of the match. Uh, Gray had had, had twenty four wow. uh, in the in this one. Uh, yeah, so she was absolutely impressive. Um, you know what? Sure, they can play Catherine Plummer when they play Val Folias or whatever. They're going to play Kath- Alexa Gray when, when the time is needed, okay? I disagree, because, but it is good to see Gray play and play well. I mean, this is their biggest opponent that they have in their pool, and they went with Alexa Gray. So, happy for you. Ha- happy for you. Uh, happy for you in Canada. Yeah, <laughs> Canaliana takes out their main challenger, but uh, they do drop a set that might hurt them in ratio because... The other match today was Vakif Bank versus Novara. Always a very interesting one when Abra Karakert gets to play against the Turkish team. She was good today. The rest of Novara, not good at all. Vakif Bank with a quick 3-0. I just don't think that the rest of this Novara roster is good enough. I, I, I really don't. Bosetti is fantastic, but she's a solid P2. Mackenzie Adams is good, and she I think she had a decent day today, but she she's not at that level yet. Yeah, I'm pulling um, up the stats. Uh, at least Adams was able to play a little bit, but she wasn't super good. It's crazy. Kara Kurt had 42 yeah. attempts, and the next highest was 17. That's ridiculous. Like, Laverini needs to be doing something different with this offense because you can't have your one player scoring 21 and no one else getting into double digits, right? Bosetti has seven. Kirikella had, had seven. Um, six for Denesi, four for Adams. Like, that's just not good. I mean, it's not fantastic on the Vakuf Banks side. You have a, a Gonu with 22, but at least Gabby comes in with 11 and Dalderop comes in with 11 too. At least you have a couple players getting into double digits uh, alongside a Gonu. But to me, at the end of the day, I think that Karakut is a fantastic player. She just doesn't have the ability to put the team on her back like other right sides. You know, she doesn't have that ability like an Agonu, like a Boscovich, or like an Isabel Hawk. Oh, yeah, I think that's totally fair. Uh, that's that's a, a huge separator from Karakur and the elite three players in the world. Speaking of one of the best players in the world, uh, Paula Agonu, 18 for 33, pretty efficient, uh, three stuff blocks and an ace with no service errors. That's good for her, 22 total. And the story for me for Vakif Bank is when they're really, really good, they get good play out of all three wings. And they did. Uh, Gabi was good, and Nika Dalderup was really good. Probably the best match of her season. So uh, you're not going to beat Vakif Bank if all three of their if all three of their wings are playing like that. No, but to me, it just I still don't know if it's there with Osbe Kanchu. Like I don't know if she is the best person to be to be running this office. I don't think you have any other options. Yeah, they don't right? have any, any better options. But, you know, I think there's only one uh, one other better option, and she's playing for Canigliano at this time, and I don't think she's going to be leaving any anytime soon, right? But it's 
you know what? And maybe that's what we're seeing as well with the extension of the issue uh, at uh, with Turkey as well. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, a couple notable games today that they were good. Uh, Vakovic Novara was definitely fun to watch. A couple others coming up the rest of this week. Tomorrow we've got Adzajabasha versus Polizze, uh, one of the better teams in Poland. That'll be Adzajabasha's only challenger in that pool. Uh, Woj versus Fenerbahce might be kind of good. Uh, we saw Fenerbahce get upset just before uh, the break. Last show, let's see. Uh, Tenerife versus Stuttgart, no. Lecane versus Malonza, nah. Uh, Vasas versus, versus Mulhus, no. Not much. No, uh, not much. Which is, which is weird. This is supposed to be the week of Women's Champions League with the good games, but the field in this tournament, other than the, like, the best one or two teams in every pool, is not very good. We're really, year. really missing it's the German, the, the, um, not the German teams, obviously the Russian teams at, at this point in time. Yeah, not great volleyball. Uh, some good ones today. Follow along tomorrow if, if you're interested. But I think like Hawkbank versus Xavierche on the men's side is better than any match on the women's side of Champions League this week. For not sure. to mention, if I was going to have to highlight any uh, CEV match to watch alongside Hawkbase versus Ankara, it has to be the CEV Cup between Modena and Lundberg. Modena, yes. they've been killing it recently. We've seen their number two in the Italian League. Irvin Ingepeth, Bruno Lagumgia going up against the North American kids. They might as well be the Stars and Stripes and the Maple Leaf playing in Germany. You've got out of the out of system boys and Joe Worsley and Gage Worsley. You've got um, Jordan Ewart. You've got the trio of Canadians in, in the middle uh, between Schnitzer and Xander and Pearson Ishenko, Lucas Massa on, on the right side, Colton Cowell, like, Lundberg has been so much fun to watch this year. And you've even just seen it like in how much Bounce House has been promoting them. They've had some bangers of losses, Albert, against Friedrich Schaffen and uh, against Berlin. Uh, yeah, they always get him to five and they always lose, but they always produce great matches when doing so. And you know what? I think if there's a group of of of, of boys, let's let's be honest, this is a is still a group of boys of young men, if you will, who's ready to go balls to the wall against Modena. I think it's this this Lundberg team. And I will be watching, watching every moment of it because I think it's, it's, it's going to be a big one. And if you want to watch that one, we actually have that uh, live stream featured over on the Volleyball Source website. So if you want to go check that out over yeah. at volleyballsource.ca, Boy, you I can was... go... Uh, so Go happy. So, yeah, definitely check out the website. I, I just put the link in the YouTube live chat. Uh, I was thrilled to hear that this match was actually going to get a live stream because uh, mm-hmm. last year we had some serious complaints about like early but good matches in CV Cup that we couldn't watch anywhere. It's going to be great to actually get to watch this one. Uh, Blair in the chat saying Modenel beat him 3 0. Probably. They probably will, but uh, I think it, it will hopefully at least be competitive. Uh, just to see what, what our, our boys on Lundberg can do against a team of that caliber. So I'm definitely going to watch it. Uh, so another thing that I noticed, Everett, I didn't catch this until digging into it today. I think they changed the format of CV Cup this year because right now there are eight teams left in CV Cup. Like Piacenza is still in. They won today. Uh, Scra won today. There, there are only eight teams left, but they're calling it the eighth finals, which is normally when there's 16 teams left. So I dug into it. It turns out that the team, the four teams that advance out of this point right here, like, let's see. Yeah. Uh, Budovice and Masaic, who cares? Piacenza versus some Romanian team, who cares? Scra versus Galatasaray, and then Modena versus Lundberg. The four teams that advance out of that, 
actually play against the four teams that get third in their pools in Champions League but don't advance. The four teams that, yeah, the four teams that get third in their pools in Champions League but do not advance, so like second through fifth ranked, drop down to CEV Cup and play against those teams in the quarterfinals. I did not know that until I dug into it today. That's kind of awesome. I love that. It's been what, what, what you've been asking for for years. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. A little of. bit. Kind of. In a, in a small way, <laughs> absolutely. But I think it's a step in the right direction, absolutely. I think it's just it's just adding towards more meaningful volleyball, and that's that's what I love. So yeah, if you if you get third in your pool in Champions League, but you're not that one top ranked third place team who makes it out into the playoffs, you still get to play CEV in the form of CEV Cup. And I didn't know that until today because uh, God God forbid the CEV actually publishing that absolutely crucial change to their tournament format. So. Uh, it is what it is, but I'm going to enjoy watching uh, Modena on one screen tomorrow. And, like the uh, old days. Blair's saying, saying this is like the old days. I is, mean, he, he, would know you as the, he would know as the senior member of the Discord. <laughs> so yeah, Modena versus Lundberg is at 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. And there is a free live stream on some German website that I don't even think you need a VPN for. So you don't. Uh, Sportsdeutschland.tv. Yeah. I actually have the link embedded on the uh, website. So as Rob said, it's in the um, stream. And if you just over to head over to volleyballsource.ca, you'll be able to find that there as well. Big one. All right, Everett, a couple more things. Uh, somebody asked earlier in the, in the, in the chat uh, if we're going to do our top 12 women's list of 2022. Yes, we are. That'll be the last thing on the show. Before we do that, two other things I want to get to. The first is the Plus Liga. Uh, we got to catch up with the Plus Liga because there's a lot going on. It's been really streaky for a couple teams. In a bad way, Yashemsky Vangel is on a horrible streak. They have lost six of their last eight games. And I know they've they had some guys hurt. Tony Uti was hurt for a while. Vishnevsky's done for the season. They do out and go get this Mustafa Mbaye character who counts as a Polish player to help them out in the middle. Uh, but they've lost six of eight. And they had a good one against Xavierce on Friday, but lost it in five. So JW, who looked like the best team in the league all the first half of the year, is in a free fall. And conversely, Luke Lublin, featuring Americans Jeff Jendrick, Dustin Watton, and honorary American Nicolas Scherzin started 0-6. They've won eight of their last nine to improve to over 500 at 10-9. and Yeah, I mean, Lubin, Lublin, not to be uh, mistaken with Kuprum, Kuprum Lubin, who also beat <laughs> Rosovia in five on, on Sunday, which is right, another big upset. Right. Lublin has been one of the biggest, best teams to watch so far uh, recently in the in the Plus Liga. And man, they are a team to watch. And that's kind of what I love. The, the There's something about the how often Plus Liga plays and how there's games kind of all the time that I think just leads to more chaotic of a schedule. Yeah. And I love it. I absolutely love the fact that you've got, you know, one of the best teams on a slump. It feels like North American sports. We don't need an 82 season like we have, 82 game season like we have in the NBA or or the NHL. But I love how many games they play and, and the different possibilities that, that comes of it from the Plus Liga. Yeah, and I know the players don't love it. I think the players think they're playing too many games, but it does create some fun roster management situations uh, for the coaches to maybe give some of their studs days off, and then that that produces some upsets, which is fun. Uh, yeah. Also, we got to give Zoxa a shout-out. They've had a very interesting year. Obviously, their outside hitter position has been in the spotlight. Speaking of which, <laughs> Denis Karyagin was released today. I think he, I think he's at the French League now, maybe Toulouse, but... Uh, he is no longer wasting a roster spot on Zaxa. But Zaxa, without 
all of that. Uh, they still beat Xavier Che the other day. I think they even beat him in four for full points. And they're about to get Bartosz Bednors. So who knows? Maybe they're uh, maybe it was too early to write them off as championship contenders. I I think it's it's. I think it's it's too late for them in the Champions League. If you get in uh, Bednor's, like it, it's too late to to implement them. Maybe if you can make a, a late run, we know that the Champions League does does run a little bit later. But hey, with the way that JW has been struggling, we just saw Rasovia lose to 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 Lubin, not Lublin, and I mean Lubin is is down there with a seven and uh, eleven uh, record so far. This sucks. The team could be one to watch. Like when you've you've still got Slivka, you've still got Firle, you still have Kashmarik. You add Bednors in there, who's a legitimate cannon on the left side. That team just gets a whole much yeah. more, a whole lot more interesting and a whole lot more lethal. Exactly. The not only the the body and the talent that they were needing it outside, but also the play style. It's exactly the play style that they needed at that, at that like primary outside hitter. Uh, so yeah, I'm interested to see that. Uh, the Plus League is packed. Uh, shout out to Gdansk, by the way. Uh, they've been playing really well. This Bolange character on the opposite for them has been a monster, and Vershava has quietly improved as well, all the way up to six. Uh, apparently, Arthur Schalpuk's having an amazing year, so good he, for him. He, he has been. Uh, can you say uh, that one guy's name again? Who? Bolange? That was good. So that's a good one. Yeah. yeah, there's like the L with the slash and the A with the tail and the Z with the accent mark. I mean, yeah, I put, I put some work into my Polish pronunciations this year. Oh, thank God that's one of us. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, so uh, that's it for the Plus League for now. Uh, there's matches going on all the time. The, the Poland channel and the Discord is actually a really good spot. Uh, they're uh, very active. We have a handful of, of committed Polish fans that speak great English and are good at explaining things to us. So join that if you want to follow the Plus League Last but not least, Everett, before we unveil our top 12 women's players of the year, it is time. Uh, it is time for my beloved Volleyball League of America to get back into action. I'm rocking the VLA shirt because the season starts this weekend. Uh, the VLA is a startup men's league in the States. We're entering, it's probably, I guess you could call it the third like proper season. Um, where we're running a very full schedule and there's a lot going on a pretty easy event this weekend in indiana with three of the central division teams getting together but if you want to know more about the vla we have something for you and that's tomorrow uh me and my boy vince zanzuki will do a big old season preview show called around the vla our show that we do throughout the season over on the volleyball league of america youtube channel so if you want to know more about the vla go check that out uh, but there will be six matches this weekend all on, on here on YouTube. And the VLA really, really needs your support. Uh, we think it's a good product. We think the level is pretty high uh, considering how young the league is. Uh, the growth in number of teams at the Tier 2 level has been huge. So we'll talk about all that on tomorrow's show. But please check out the VLA Volleyball League of America on YouTube, at VLA Volleyball on Instagram, like all the places you can follow it. Please do so. We need your support. We need your viewership. Real quick. Uh, Swede, they're the team that came up from tier two last year, right? Yeah, they got uh, they got just enough points uh, in the tier two central division to get promoted. So, uh, they I, I think I think that's my favorite team heading into this in, into this one. They actually that that's not a bad take because uh, Icemen, uh, the Chicago Icemen have won, I guess, two out of the three like quote unquote championships that have existed in the league, including like the weird COVID year, but they're really struggling at outside hitter right now because their main guys are overseas. They won't get back until like April. And then team pineapple has completely turned over 
in the offseason. Uh, it's funny. Loy Ball has decided that he's sick of losing. Since he retired from playing, his team hasn't been good at all, and he's sick of them being bad. So he completely overhauled the team in the offseason. I don't really know what to expect out of them. But this Swede team, a team that I've played on a bunch in Chicago over the years, um, has built a legitimate Tier 1 caliber roster, and they look awesome. I like Okay, them. once once they got rid of you, they built oh, a, yeah. a legitimate Tier a t- a tier 1 oh, roster. Oh, God. The, the, I, there is, there, by the way, there is a rule. There is literally a rule in the VLA bylaws that, with like our roster regulations that is an asterisk that Rob St. Clair is eligible to play on any team that he wants, and none of the rules apply to him because I'm the emergency ringer for any team. It's great. <laughs> that's that's so it's awesome. So awesome. I think I put uh, I think I played for two different teams last year at least, and uh, so. But if teams have to pull me off the commentary bench to play, they're they're going to be in rough shape no matter what. The thing is, is that like you know, if I look at the at Team Pineapple's record, they're fourteen and nineteen over the past three seasons. They've only posted a winning record once, and that was in two thousand two thousand one with with a five and four, with a five and four record. Um, that's that's kind of why, and I think we saw it with Iceman too last year. With they struggled towards towards the end of the season. That's why I think Swede. I really like how some of these like these. You've you've got the old upstarts. You know they were the powers. Like let's be honest, Iceman and Pineapple has been like even growing up. We knew who P- Team Pineapple was for here, sure. Then, you know, I always and, call them the New England Patriots of the VLA. Like they were the New England Patriots in the 2010s with Tom Brady and Lloyd Paul. But now, absolutely. not the same thing. Not anymore. Yeah. The younger no, teams. not not anymore. And I mean, hey, they needed a, a few Canadians like Jasmine Cole uh, and a few <laughs> other guys to come down to play for that that pineapple team. It's for all. It's all right. It's okay. We we get it. Um, but you know what? I love the way that these tier two teams have built their rosters and are these young, hungry guys. And I think they're they're ready to go. If if I had one uh, criticism of the VLA, I think is that you don't have enough tier two teams being allowed up into tier one. Yeah, we. The promotion criteria, and we'll explain all this tomorrow on the show. Uh, we 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 don't want to promote people all that quickly. We would rather have be very selective and make teams earn their spot in tier one than give it away for free, like a certain other league that I know. Uh, but we 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 do like the way that you can work over over multiple years and get promoted. But at the same time, we want to fill the divisions here in tier one as balanced as we can, which is why it was easier for Swede to get promoted last year because there were only two teams in the tier one central division and we wanted to get one in there to make three a little bit quicker. So as the divisions continue to populate themselves, once we get like four in each or maybe even five, we're going to start relegating people and that's going to be really fun. I can't wait. Yeah. For that. Like I'm excited for some relegation to, to go on because that just things makes things even more spicier. Cause I think right now, like Iceman and pineapple are feeling a little safe. You know, and uh, I feel like the young boys are coming. I love it. Uh, That's a good analysis. Very good. A man who who follows a little bit of VLA ball. So check out the show we're doing tomorrow. Uh, It's late on the East Coast. I think it's 11 p.m. on the East Coast. But uh, check it out or watch the VOD the next day. And then matches all weekend long from Indiana. Uh, All right, Everett, is it time? Is it time for our top 12 lists? It is. And Rob, I'll have to be the first one to say I'm a little nervous about this one because you and I were conversing earlier today is that after the top five, it was so hard, so hard to pick your players. Um, And I'm still not sure. Like even now, I'm I'm still not sure about my list. Uh, But you know what? The deadline came. You had to get it done. And let's jump into it. Do you want to do yours first or... 
I, I would love to. I'll, I'll do mine first. Uh, we'll run them down quickly and then we will uh, talk about them after the fact, especially for the people listening on audio who can't see the list. But here they both are. My list, number one, Isabel Hawk. This was very hard to rank the top three opposites in the world. We all had them one, two, three in some order. Very hard to rank them. I put Hawk number one. I put Tiana Boscovich number two, and I put Paula Egona number three. And as, as we do that, it's important to, again, remind people that this is what that player accomplished and what her teams accomplished in the year 2022 only. It's not necessarily who I think the best player in the world is. It's who I think had the best calendar year 2022. And that's the same way Everett made his list. So I've got Hawk 1, Boscovich 2, Egonu 3. I've got Gabi from Brazil and Vakif Bank at outside at 4. I've got Joana Volos, the, setter, the best setter in the world, at 5. I think we had those same top five in different orders. And past that, it actually got really difficult. Really difficult. So my number six is Zara Gunesh, the top middle blocker on the list from Turkey and Vakif Bank. Monica De Gennaro is my number seven, the only libero on my list. Uh, Carol, Ana Carolina da Silva from Brazil, who was unreal at the World Championship, is, is a middle, is eighth on my list. Chaco Bogu from the United States is ninth. Magdalena Stisiak from Poland and Malonza is tenth. Jovana Stevanovic, the world champion from Serbia at the middle spot, is 11th. And Alessia Oro, the setter from Italy and Malonza, is 12th on my list with honorable mentions to Britt Herbots, Abra Karakurt, and Kelsey Robinson-Cook. All right, for sure. I mean, I, ha- I have to respect the list. You know, I, I got to respect yours. But let's jump into mine. I'm going to do it opposite, starting with the honorable mentions. Uh, I've got Magdalena Stiziak as one of my uh, honorable mentions. Uh, Kelsey Robinson as well. And then I'm going to throw in just for a little bit of a uh, bias there, Kira Van Rijk. You know what? She scored better. Um, she was in the top 10 of scoring for both VNL and for, for the world championships. And she's got another world-class uh, option on, on her team. So yeah, absolutely. I'm going to throw Kira Van Rijk in there and I have no problem with it. Uh, coming in at number 12, I think that if this player had not gotten injured during the world championship, Japan would have done better. She helped them so much. The VNL was was the second highest score at the VNL, and that's Serena Koga, uh, who just recently got engaged to Yuji Nishida, which you know, dude, the, that like, came out of nowhere. I had no idea those two were together. I'm sure Japanese, every Japanese fan in the world was absolutely. That piece oh, of news. volleyball, volleyball world was you know salivating. The, the boomers were having a good time in that trench coat. <laughs> let's say. Um, <laughs> Then I've got Alessio Oro coming at number 11 as a setter. Chiaco Bogu at number 10 in the middle. I've got Ebra Karakurt uh, at number 9. Monica Gennaro, uh, my only libero as well, at number 8. Zara Gunesh at number 7. Britt Herbots. I don't know. This is my only qualm with yours is I don't know how you can keep Britt Herbots out. Yes, Nat- er, club wasn't fantastic, but Novara put her on the bench. Firenze, she doesn't have it. She was uh, a top, the top scorer of the VNL and a top three scorer for the World Championships. She went off. She she deserves to be on this list. Uh, I've got Gabby at number five. Um, Joanna Voloj at number four. Isabel Hawk coming in at number three. Agonu at two. And at number one, I've got Tiana Boscovich. Now, do we want to... I think we want to discuss a few players. I think... The Hawk, you have her at one. I have her at number three. I have her at three because, first of all, we never really get to see her, what she's done with 
with Sweden this year, right? There wasn't a European Championships. You couldn't see couldn't see her out on the national team level. Everywhere else she's played, she's had so much goodness around her, right? When she was at Vakuf Bank, so much goodness around her. Now at Conigliano, so much goodness around her. She just doesn't have a national team resume for me. That's why that's why she's not up there. And and I will fully admit that I uh, I prioritize national team over uh, club. Yeah, that's fair. That was the, that was the hardest thing about putting Hawk number one is obviously she plays for an irrelevant national team. But the reason why I put her number one is that she literally won every tournament she participated in 2022. Think about it. She was the only player, the club, national team, both one or the other, doesn't matter. The only player in volleyball that won everything she touched. For Vakif Bank, the first half of 2022, she won the Turkish Cup. She won the Turkish League. She won the Champions League. Then once she moved to Canaliano, the two tournaments in 2022 for Canaliano, she won the Italian Super Cup, and she won the Club World Championship. Five for five individually in tournaments in the calendar year 2022. Literally a 100% tournament winning rate. And for that reason, even though she didn't have any national team accomplishments to speak of, I had to put her number one. You, you never see that. You never see somebody winning every tournament they participate in like that for two different teams it's crazy yeah that 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 is that is pretty impressive but for me it was just she has she she did would do all that winning but you know what she wasn't always the mvp she always wasn't always the best player i was on those teams like with vakif bank like you can fully i would fully say that they won champions league because of gabi not 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 because of not because of he's about hawk right and yes she was the mvp of the club world championships that was back in in 2021 so you know what i that that was it for me i would if 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 it were like this season where we're going to have a european championships and i'm sure isabel hawk is going to make like bring sweden way past where they should be that's when it gets a little bit more interesting when she doesn't have the best players in the world around her right like re- realistically isabel hawk has had two of these other top 5 players on her team for at some point right with with, with either gabi or Valush. Fair enough, but uh, then again, so has Paula Egonu, and she did not win. The, well, the only she, thing that Egonu won this year was you know Italian Cup and uh, the Italian League until winning VNL with the Italian national team. Like it's crazy for me to put Egonu, who honestly I still actually think is the best player in the world. It's crazy for me to put her at number three, but that that's how competitive it is for for these players and the way that Boscovich. Like it's impossible to put Egonu over Boscovich because of how well Boscovich played at the World Championship. But I, but be, again, because of Hawks' literal tournament win rate being 100% in club, I, I had to put her at number one. But you really could make the case for any of these three players. I mean, it's the same thing we said after they played each other at the Club World Championship. I will fully admit that Boscovich's unreal World Championship run is 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 my bias of why i put her on number number one that's fair i mean it was it's the Um, biggest tournament of the year it's the most important tournament that happened this year you know what she she wasn't there for vnl and you know maybe maybe a bit of a pop i've already got some 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 people saying that you know my list is isn't as good you know what i don't care it's my list and 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 that's what you guys got from it oh did did sweden really win silver league that's amazing okay hawk went six for six uh you've got You've got a real hater somewhere in the chat because you put Brit Herbots on this list. And, okay. I, and I, before, before I, want, I want to hear your argument about this because we talked about it with the men's list that I refuse to put anybody on my list that got relegated in any form or fashion. But Herbots and Belgium's relegation out of VNL was fraudulent. We all know that Korea was the worst team in that tournament. 
100 fraudulent and no, no, the, the same person is saying do you guys even watch women's volleyball do you just or just you look at numbers instead of watching how people score those points look at the teams that brit herbots has been on belgium has nobody Firenze no. this year has nobody no. I, it was it was difficult for me to leave her off my list it was mostly because for novara she mostly sat the bench the first half of the year and then her teams obviously didn't play well but that is not her fault she is a top five outside hitter in the world at the very very least who has been surrounded by trash the entire year for 2022 brit herbots outscored the next the second best highest scoring player in vnl by 50 points ridiculous 50 points she had 306 points in in vnl this year Uh, serena koga from japan who's number 12 on my list was next up at at 256 so at vnl she was hands down the the best score on a team that wasn't all that bad which was only steps away from making it to the next round and if it wasn't for the fivb and their absolute you know love for korea she would have been going on once again at the world championships 222 points right all the other players above her boscovich stiziak um and ogonu went further in the tournament than 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 belgium did Britt Herbots is a scoring machine. To me, like it, it's like you have to have her on this list. She is absolutely unreal. Yeah, the really the only reason why I didn't have her on mine is because of those team performances. And again, those are not her fault because she's getting every ball. Everybody knows she's getting every ball. She probably has the hardest job of any player in the world this year, even more so than Abra Karakurt, I'd say, who also gets every ball from both Turkey and Novara. But Herbots. The, the only reason her teams even had chances ever she was completely responsible for every one of belgium's wins this year and obviously there weren't enough of them which is why i don't have her on my list but you can't you can't call her overrated you can't call her anything but a top five outside hitter in the world who's been on bad bad teams this year bad bad team so she doesn't have the quality that hawk is having w- w- around her at any point in club or in uh in national team right so you got it you got to give it to, to brit Hermans. now everett you said that you prioritize the national team for making these lists the national team performance and achievements if that's the case where's anna carolina da silva and where's Jovana Stevanovic on your list? I know they're middles but carol was the best middle at the world championship by far she was a blocking machine. Remember how she like ruined Egonu's life in that semifinal blocking the ball? And and Stevanovic was uh, I don't think she was named one of the best middles in the tournament, but she, she should have been. been. She should have and been. she won a world right. championship. If you're going to prioritize national team performances, I know those two didn't do very much in club, but I think those two deserve a spot. Yeah, you know, and you know what? I did preface this whole thing by saying that like I still wasn't sure about my list. Um <laughs> but you know, it was what it was. Another one that I'm completely hypocritical on is Magdalena Stiziak because the biggest reason that I kept her off my list is the fact that she couldn't even start over Lisa Von Hecke uh, in the uh, in the, <laughs> the playoffs for uh, for Monza last year, and yet was absolutely unreal for uh, for Poland at the World Championship. So that was also a little bit hypocritical. But yeah. You know what? This is what came out of me, and 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 this is what you got <laughs> in, in, in terms of my list. I do think I absolutely think that our Anna Carolina should be there. Stavanovic 
deserves at the very least uh, an honorable mention. But I couldn't I couldn't have a list without having at least one Canadian on it, <laughs> especially with the way the women have been playing, especially the way that either Van Rijk or Alexa Van Gray. I I needed I needed a little bit of bias in there for myself. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it was it was hard for me to only have one American and Chaco Bogu, and I would like to put her higher, except that she hardly plays for Vakif Bank except in international stuff. Like she's. Uh, she's she sits the bench because of the foreigner limit in all Turkish competition. So she has pretty much the same resume as Zara Gunesh, but Zara plays all the time. And uh, Gunesh was the MVP, I think, of the Turkish Cup at the beginning of last year. So not to mention the top ranked middle on my list. She, not to mention like she like Gunesh is is a much more integral part of the Turkish team than Obogu is of the American team. That's right? a good, that's it, a like, good like She is the second, she is like typically the second highest score um, for Turkey uh, in, in general at, at, at these events and coming from the middle, that's absolutely massive. Like to me, if there's one middle who was somewhat like a Simone esque type of player who has that type of presence and type of impact, it would be Zara Gunesh. Um, so, that's 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 why for me. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, talk to me about the comparison between Stisiak and Karakurt for you, because I think their accomplishments, like the, the way that their teams played was pretty much identical. And I know Stisiak uh, hasn't seen the court as much at the club level, but I think her world championship or rather her her national team summer was better than Karakurt's. Yeah, uh, I, I think so, too, uh, in, in, in some respects. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, Stijiak, I think like when you look at the outsides that Poland has, like with Rosanski and um, why am I blanking on the other ones right now? It, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and the fact that you have jo- Joanna Voloj setting that ball compared to an Ozbe Kansu and who do you have like Baladin and, and, and whatnot out there. Like Karakut is... Is like like to me, Turkey is two is two players. You got Karakut and you have and you have Zaragunesh, mm-hmm. and everyone else is just Jags, right? Everyone else is just another guy, girl. Um, <laughs> and like the way that Karakut ha- has to perform, and like like to me, she is clearly one of those 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 top players. Um, and you know what? Like every team that she plays on, kind of ride and dies by her. Um, Poland did a great job with Stiziak this year. But at the same time, like Stiziak for me, the way that she just disappeared for for Monza last year was a bit of a, you know, was a bit of a of a thing. But you know what? If you would have asked me to make this list yesterday, I or tomorrow, yesterday, I would have given you a different I, I had a different list yesterday, made a different one today, and I'd probably give you a different one tomorrow. Fair enough. Uh, well, we, we will put this up on Instagram. Uh, the Our men's list on Instagram did really well, got a lot of engagement, and the, the people voted on whose list was better. And uh, I smoked you, Everett, I'm sorry to say. I think I got like 70% of the vote. So yeah, um, we'll, we'll, put, we'll put these on Instagram up as I'm well. Sure, I'm sure you're going to get much the, the same thing on this one too. We'll see about that. Uh, you're about to start off your year by getting swept by your boy making top 12 lists. But no matter what, if Volleyball World happens to come out with their own lists like they did last year that spawned us doing this whole thing, our list will be better than theirs. So that, you can that take that I to have, the bank. They, that I have no... Although... You know what? They may use mine just because I had a bit of a Japanese element. See, I may, <laughs> I may or may not have shamelessly tried to. Uh, you did that on both know, your lists. <laughs> cater to you know a, a wider variety of uh, fans out there. 
Uh, no shame. So we'll see how our lists do when we put them on Instagram, see what the people think of them. But uh, you guys here watching the show live get the first look. So enjoy that. Uh, it's been good discussion. Everett, I, th- I, th- I think that's a show. That was, the, that was yeah. a, a very long show. Trust me. I, I agree, too. I do think, though, that it would be fun. Maybe we just do a bit of a podcast sometime where we, where we set like a top 10 players per uh, position, men and women. Like, oh, that would be a heck of a discussion. Oh, man. To me, that's much more indicative of because, like, women's volleyball right now is like men's volleyball from the early 2000s, just so right side dominant. Yeah, right. True. Every team that's dominant has a a dominant right side. The only two teams that aren't dominant is like like Brazil with Gabi and Belgium with with her bots. Every other team is rocking a big banger on, on, on the right side. So I would love to break down kind of position by position. Let's do the left sides. Let's do the middles. Let's do the setters. Let's do the right sides. Let's do the lips. Top ten for each of them. I that think would that would be, be sweet. hard for women's volleyball. It would be really hard to compare people because I, I, I really think like even with with the list that we just made, there's a serious drop off after the truly elite players in the world. And teams do, too. Though. There's a huge drop off after the the truly elite teams in the world. Yeah. I'm, oh yeah. Absolutely. But I, I I think we could do it. And mostly I want to do it because that's when we start seeing some Canadian content. <laughs> And much more American content, too, though. Yeah, great point. All right, boys and girls, uh, thanks for watching this. this. I wonder if this is our longest show ever. It might be. Uh, it, it, of, of a nine by, like, it's just a straight up straight nine by nine, nine show. Absolutely. Yeah. And the sinus headache I have with this cold at the moment is not the greatest. All right. Well, thank you, Everett, for hanging in there. Thank you all watching for hanging in there. It's been a great show. We'll be back next week. Uh, enjoy the games. There's a bunch of great games tomorrow. So join the Discord to follow along with all those. We'll help you out with links. Uh, catch around the VLA tomorrow night if you're interested. Watch some VLA ball this weekend. And we'll be right back, same time, same place, next Tuesday to recap it all. Peace.